one Sunday morning at Faith Chapel, I was preaching away, and in the midst of my preaching, I said, I don't know where it came from, thanks, Jim, uh, but fart came out. I, I said fart. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe nobody will notice. I'll just kind of just keep talking, and nobody will notice. And then I looked back, and there was this, this guy nudging his wife, and they were giggling. I thought, no, they noticed. So I said... <laughs> So I said, did I just say fart? And everybody said, yes, you did. So I'll, I'll try not to do that this morning, okay? Okay. What do you see? See a lion? What do you see? Lion? See a lion? Anything else? Who said that? Where, do you, where, where is it? There you go. So most of you didn't see that. We, there's, a, there's a lion, and then right here in the middle is the nose of the lamb and its mouth and its eyes. If you know it's there, then you can find it, right? Now you can see it. So, my point in showing you that is that we can look at the same thing, but not see the same thing. You and I can look at things, and we see things so much differently because of who we are, because of our perceptions, and so forth. So, I want to read you this morning out of Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35. If you have your Bible, it's on page 974 under the Bible, under the rack there, if you want to look in that one, 974. Matthew chapter 9, beginning in verse 35. And I'm in John chapter 9, and I don't want to be in John chapter 9, I want to be in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues. So notice the word teaching and then preaching the good news of the kingdom, teaching and preaching, and healing every disease and sickness. Here are the words I want you to notice. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. I have that underlined in my Bible. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So notice the first uh, blank on the outline there is, look around, what do you see? So think first about this room. It's interesting to me that if I, uh, if I just take a look around this room and I see, I see Drew... Okay, now if I, would say, if I would say to you, what do you see? Well, I see Drew. I see this great big guy that I don't want to wrestle with. Right? What else do you see? I see Kenny. Got a nice haircut this morning. Not this morning probably, but... It, yeah, yeah. 
I see Kenny, you see Kenny, but what else do you see? In other words, we see things that are obvious on the outside, and we could, we could describe Drew. You know, I've preached sermons other places, and I've talked a little bit about Drew, that he's my bodyguard. You could describe him, but what else do you see about Drew? There's something on the inside, not on the outside, but on the inside, that we don't think about often enough. We see Kenny on the outside, but there's a Kenny on the inside. We might think in terms, in fact, we do. I mean, I've been around long enough to know we look at people and say, I like them, I don't like them. They're beautiful, they're not. They're handsome, they're not. What, all kinds of things. I like the way they dress, I don't like the way they dress. But Jesus sees something beyond that. Notice it says in this passage that he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. Why? Because of the way they looked? No. So I think about our neighborhood. What do you think about when you think about, when you see our neighborhood, what do you see? You see the dirty dozen? You know what that is? I read in the newspaper the other day. I didn't know about this. You guys probably did, but I saw in the newspaper a couple of weeks ago, the Dirty Dozen. Those are the, those are the properties that the city has picked around town that they're, they're, gonna, they're going away. Eight of them are on the south side. Well, we see the Dirty Dozen. We see some poverty. We see every, every day I drive by a drug house and I see people outside Every once in a while, I see six or seven police cars up there. I drove by on Friday evening on my way home, and I saw a beautiful native girl standing out front. And then I saw something else. I think I got a glimpse of what Jesus sees. I thought, oh my, what's going to happen to that young woman? It's funny, when I, when I go to a, a large event, any place, this happened to me the first time at Dodger Stadium. It happened to me last year at the, at the Metra, at the PBR. So when you go to the PBR, what do you see? Well, you see lots of cowboys. You see lots of cowboy hats. You see lots of boots. You see horses. You see bulls. You see little kids walking around with their cowboy boots, cowboy hats on, looking like their dad. Now, I'm not, sound, I'm not trying to sound super spiritual. I'm just describing to you what happens to me when I see a crowd. When I see a crowd like that, I always sit and I look around while the event's going on. I look around and I think, I wonder how many of these people know Jesus. I wonder how many of them have ever been to a good church where things were communicated clearly. I wonder, I wonder what they think of God. And then I wonder, how will we ever get through to them? I guess I could stand up and yell, Hey! <laughs> how many of you know Jesus? Probably wouldn't be real effective. They'd probably throw me out the door. <clears throat> but the point is, I want you to see 
beyond what we usually see. So the second fill in there is look again. Look around, what do you see, and then look again. Now there's no shortage of people who want to make the world a better place. Uh, I want you to think about the different ways that people try and make the world a different place. Now, <clears throat> I have the, I brought a, a puzzle this morning, a jigsaw puzzle this morning to kind of illustrate my point. So we got all these pieces. You, you've all put a jigsaw puzzle, puzzle together at one time or another. You've got all these pieces, but it's just a big mess in there. So you dump them out on the table and you start looking at the pieces and you start putting the pieces in one by one, right? So let's think about our world is in a mess. It's all, these, all this brokenness, okay? So think about the different ways that people try and put the world back together. First of all, there's the secular perspective. The secular perspective. Now, what I mean by that is, I'll just give you a couple of examples. There are lots. From the secular perspective, you try and fix what's wrong in the world through economics. If we can just get the economy straightened out, get the stock market going in the right direction, get unemployment as low as we can possibly get it, and get everybody buying and having a good job, then the world's going to be a better place. Now, what I want to say to you is, that's one piece in the puzzle. It's one piece in the puzzle. It's not the whole answer. Some people think it is. Well, America is what it is because of the economy. Well, America is still a mess in a lot of ways too, isn't it? Then we have... The political piece. I love the political piece because it, it drives me nuts because we as Christians talk and act and think like politics is the answer. If I can just get my party in there, if the president's my party and the judges are my perspective and the House and the Senate are my perspective, then everything's going to be okay. Right? Well, we just had, over the last two years, judges who were conservative put on the Supreme Court, the House and the Senate, a president. Still a mess. Well, are politics important? Yeah, they're, yeah, they're important. I'd rather live here than in communist China but it's just a piece in the puzzle. Education. Medical. Bill Gates. Bless his heart for this. I, I admire him so much. I mean, the guy is a multi-billionaire, and he gives a lot of money toward very worthy causes that have to do with education and that have to do with medicine, uh, cures for various, various diseases. Is that important? Of course it's important. It's just one piece of the puzzle. Now, here's what I want you to see. 
Uh, guys, I'm going to apologize in advance. I'm sorry this is not a bull elk with a bow, with a bow, a guy with a bow and an arrow. It's a sissy looking picture. <laughs> Speaking of bull elks, I was, I was at lunch with somebody the other day. This guy walked up and said, Here, I want to show you the, the picture of an elk I missed. And I said to him, I said, why would I want to see a picture of an elk you missed? Now, if you hit that elk, I might want to see a picture of it, but you missed it. So anyway, this is a sissy picture, okay? I apologize, it's the only one I had. It's about, it's about puppies and things. Isn't that sweet? Yeah, all the ladies are going, oh, that's so sweet. And all the guys, ah, oh, give me the elk. Now, my point is this. When you put a jigsaw pu puzzle together, you throw all the pieces out on the table, then what do you do? You sort them. But how do you sort them? You sort them because you put the picture up where you can see it, right? So how challenging is it to put the, put the puzzle together if you don't have the picture to look at? But you put the picture to look at, oh, that's what the person who designed this puzzle had in mind. So my point is, if we're going to solve the problems of the world that are in such a big mess, then we probably ought to know what the designer thinks. Right? What did God have in mind? So I was, I was thinking about this a few days ago, and I thought, well, and you know this. I'm, I'm just identifying something that you already know. You know when you drive up to a, to a, a ranch, and uh, I, have, I have a ranch that I have in mind that's friend of mine, and you, you drive, turn off of the highway, and there's a cattle guard there, there's a barbed wire fence there, and there's a big sign that says what? No trespassing. Or it might say, keep out. Keep off my property. I want you to stay away. So you go to a hotel and you want to sleep in in the morning. There's this little tag on the inside of the door. has a sign on that says what? Okay, so what do you do with that? If you want to sleep in, you take it, you put it on the outside. Do not disturb. That's what our culture, what our world is doing to the designer. Keep out. We don't, we don't want religion involved in our world. We don't want religion in our politics. And they use the Constitution, which was intended to protect religious freedom, to be able to have people worship in the way that they want to worship. Now it has become keep religion out, protect us from religion. I read this past week at Yale University, and this is just being put in print, but it happens in universities, has been for the last 30 years or, or more that I know of, basically says, keep out, we don't want religion here, specifically in our country, Christianity. They just passed a thing at Yale a few months ago that, that discriminates, clearly discriminates against Christianity. It's, it'll be tested in the, in the Supreme Court, I'm sure, but, they, but it's there. We don't want, you. We don't want God here. doesn't make a lot of sense, does it, when, when you 
keep the designer of our world out of helping us fix it. Secondly, you have the religious perspective. Now, you might say, you might be thinking, I'm going to say a lot of nice things about the religious perspective. I'm actually not. Uh, Religion is not a good thing. Religion is rules and regulations, and you measure up to certain things. The Pharisees, as you know in the New Testament, the, the word Pharisee means separate ones. So the Pharisees, with all of their rules and their regulations, and uh, they looked holy on the outside, and they separated themselves from the culture. You don't measure up. You can't be part of our faith. We separate ourselves from you. You say, well, that's a bad thing. Christians do the same thing if we're not careful. Acts 15, 19 says, It is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. What's being said there is that the Jews were trying to impose rules and regulations on people that Jesus didn't care anything about. So notice the fill in there. A religious person adds to God's standards of holiness and focuses on externals. A crazy thing happened a few years ago. I, I don't think I've told you about this. Ginger had had a large women's Bible study for a number of years. And one year, uh, I don't recall how it happened, but a woman who uh, was a prostitute started coming to the Bible study, and she filled her van every week and brought a van full of prostitutes to the women's Bible study. Now, I, I know because of the context here, what you're thinking. But this ripple went through the Bible study. You're letting those people come? Because they drop the F-bomb every once in a while. Well, I realize, you know, you're in church, you don't really hear hear the F-bomb. So Ginger separated them and put them in a group with a few other woman, women who she knew would love them and communicate accurately with them. It's so easy, isn't it? We don't want you here. We don't want that here. And I, I know that I, I, I led so imperfectly, but, I, but what my heart is in all of this is you remember the, the, the arrows in, the arrows out. I've showed you that before. Arrows in means we all look at ourselves and we like ourselves and we're this selected few and we love being together. The arrows out means that we take this few that love being together and we send them out into the world to be an influence in the world, to make a difference. We dare not separate ourselves what happened, to the, what happened to the people in Israel when the, when the Pharisees separated themselves? Jesus came and rebuked them. He hangs out with tax collectors and sinners. It was an accusation. That's why he came. If we're not careful in our thinking, 
we can expect people to measure up to a certain criteria before we will love them and accept them. When in the grace of Jesus, He came down to us from heaven to earth in the midst of all the mess and said, I will take you where you are here. Follow me and I'll show you how to live. There's a big difference. I mentioned briefly this morning in communion what a big step Jesus took. Imagine His glory in heaven. And He humbled Himself and came to this earth as a little baby. God in heaven to a baby in a cave among animals and dung and then went to the cross and suffered humiliation. Why? For people who need Him, for people who recognize we need a Savior. When I was a district supervisor a number of years ago, Church names had to come through me in, in, in my district, and this one guy wanted to name his church the Fortress. The Fortress. I said, now listen, what does that communicate, the Fortress? What that means is, I'm in here, you're out there, stay out. We're going to defend ourselves against you. The fortress. Jesus is much different than the secular perspective. The secular perspective says we don't want God included. We don't want God involved in what we're doing. Keep out. The religious perspective says people keep out. We're separate from you. You keep out. We don't want to be close to you. But there's another perspective. It's the Jesus perspective. Notice on your outline, look what Jesus saw in this passage that we read this morning. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That's what he saw. What did the Pharisees see? Much different. So, confession time for me. This week I had an interesting experience. I drove up out front in my motorcycle, and when I, I parked on the sidewalk and right, right in front of the front door, and when I drove up I saw uh, a paper plate and a piece of pizza on the sidewalk just just a mess on the sidewalk. You know what I thought when I saw that? I thought, well, that's the thanks we get. We put a heater out there, we put a bench out there for them to sit on and just make a big mess on the sidewalk. I bet you would have thought the same thing. About that time, Josh walked up. And Josh looked at the pizza and the plate on the sidewalk, and he said, whoa, that was gold to somebody. Somebody went, ah, I lost my gold. It's a lot different perspective. 
In other words, we, think, we see things on a surface and we make judgments about that based upon our reality so often without seeing people as sheep without a shepherd. Jesus saw people in a way that he realized they needed a shepherd. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. You remember the illustrations, even in this passage, it says they're helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You think about sheep. Have you ever, how many of you have ever been around sheep? Quite a few. Of you. Then you know. They're not real bright. <laughs> and they ha- they're defenseless. The only defense that they have is they can run, and they can't do that very fast. They're defenseless. And that's the point of this. They're defenseless. So the secular say, we want God out. We don't want God, anything to do with God. We'll fix this on our own. Religious people say, we want people out. We don't want to be close to them because they might contaminate us. Jesus comes and brings the relational perspective, which is much different than religion. He comes and says, they need to be reconciled. They are sheep without a shepherd. They need a shepherd. And he came and paid the price on the cross for people who didn't deserve it, who hadn't earned it, who weren't good enough. Notice the blank there. Look what Jesus did. Jesus loved us when we were unlovable, and he paid the price for us. I don't know if you have ever heard the illustration or not, about uh, a young woman who came to court. Uh, She had an offense against her. Her attorney was standing beside her, and she was standing in front of the judge. And the judge asked her some questions and then said, do you plead guilty or not guilty? She said, guilty. So there's a penalty to be paid for that act that she did. The judge stood up, took off his robe, walked around and stood beside the young woman, took his wallet out of his pocket and counted out the money to pay her fine for her because he was her father. That's what Jesus did. I'm guilty, I deserve to pay, and church, don't ever get so used to hearing this thought that it doesn't grab you. God paid your price for you. You deserve death. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Don't... Don't ever just, oh, yeah, yeah, I've heard that. It just kind of goes over your head. That's how much God loves you. That's how much He cares about us. Reconciliation. God takes a big step. It's like He leaves heaven, comes to earth, dies on the cross, and what does He ask of us? One step this huge chasm that he crossed, and he asked one step of us, 
Yes. Yes, I receive your forgiveness. I receive the price that you paid on the cross, and I want to follow you. That's what Jesus did. Look what Jesus said. In this passage we read a few moments ago, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Don't keep God out. Don't keep people out. God says, you know, I, I understand the people in the world are secular. So they say, keep, keep away. We don't want you. No trespassing. Keep out. I understand that there are a lot of people in my church, and I'm, it's unfortunate, but there are a lot of people in my church who say to people, keep out. But he said, I won't be ignored. He left heaven and came to earth and showed us the way. There's a blank on the outline. I, I need to ask you to correct a couple of things in the sentence. Please see people the way he sees them, he sees them, and ask Jesus to send people out to be an influence in the world. That's the point of what Jesus is saying here. So notice these verses. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We all know that one, don't we? 1 Timothy 2, 1 and 3. I urge you then, first of all, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. The first thing in our prayers should be to pray for people who don't know Him, not ourselves. And then Romans 10, verses 14 and 15. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. May we never forget that this isn't all about us. Our comfort, our prayers, of course our prayers are important, but it's about others. It's about us learning and growing and changing and then impacting the lives of other people. It's not just about us. So I thought it would be good at Easter time this year to do the following things. I already mentioned them to you once. I want you to make a list. You can write it on your outline there. Don't put your outline away. We're, you've got all the blanks filled in, but we're not done. Who is on your list? I want you to just, you don't need to write them down right now, but write down that question. Who's on your list? And write down three names of people that you're praying for this year, right now, <coughs> to receive Jesus. I got my list written already. And I'm praying for them every day. The second thing is, well, Lord, bring them. Lord, work in their hearts. Yeah, that's, that's good. And God does need to work in their hearts, but we also need to be involved. So find them. Talk to them, and then bring them with you. On Easter Sunday, why don't you have the goal of bringing at least one person or one family with you who doesn't know Jesus? So, well, Pastor, we could get them all in. Let, let us worry about that. Okay? 
You have an invite card. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we'd have many of you that have not been baptized and some who would receive Jesus that day, that they could be baptized that day and we could celebrate that. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Lord, that's our prayer. That's our prayer. We want you to be involved. We're going to pray. But Lord, we want to be involved too. So help us to create opportunities, Lord, where we can invite people to church, where we can talk to people. And maybe for some, we could even tell them our story, how Jesus has changed our life. We love you. We thank you. We look so forward to Easter and celebrating this this wonderful event that is really the foundation of our faith. We give you thanks for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Finish with a song this morning, if we could, please. Am I on?